0: Last week, I tried desperately to get kids up here to answer a question. You guys remember that? It was either uh, before this, the storm comes, during the storm, or after the storm. You guys remember that? And I got like six kids out of eight, and then I got two adults that helped me out. I thought about doing that with the adults. <laughs> I didn't think it would work, so I'm not going to actually really do it. Um, but I think you guys know this answer, okay? So just think it in your mind, say it out loud if you're brave enough to or have the desire to. But what are the top two topics uh, that people do not want to get into discussions about? Whether it's on a date, whether it's with a stranger, or whether it's around the workplace lunch table. Yeah, our, uh, politic, religion and politics, right? Okay, so I didn't see anybody, I, I don't know if I have enough suckers for all those answers. So if, Okay, if you want to, yeah, just come up here after so you can have sucker. You know, and I I understand, I'm not one of those people who wants to get uh, caught up in politics especially, but religion, you know, there's different responses that people are going to have. Some people, if you start talking about religion or politics, they get very upset because if you don't agree with them or they're very adamant about this is what I believe and this is why, and they just are very defensive, right? So you don't want to come across those people. So that's a, a reason to kind of avoid that. Some people say, I know what I think, I know what I believe, but I really don't want to get into this confrontation. So they kind of sit in the middle. They kind of sit in on the fence because they don't really want to get into this kind of confrontation. Anybody feel like that? I feel like that. Because I feel like, for the most part, I know what I think, but if somebody's going to be a bear at me, I don't want to deal with it. Um, but then there's also the people who I also fit into this category at times with politics, like. I can't do anything about it, right? It's, it's really not that big a deal to me. I know the world's going to pot, and I know there's all these problems, but I, I can't do anything, and so I just, it is what it is. And so people kind of deal with religion and politics that way, like, you know, I don't know that kind of stuff. I don't really care about that stuff, and so it is what it is. Well, Jesus, he happens to fit into that religion uh, side of the, the equation, whether religion or politics, and he's one of those people that people like to avoid talking about because you're going to have different responses. Some people are going to get immediately upset when you say the name of Jesus. You can have a, a nice conversation, you bring up Jesus, and all of a sudden it was the wrong thing to say. Some people are gonna say, yeah, I, I think I believe in Jesus or I know what I, I think, but I really can't defend it, and so I'm gonna just kinda of keep quiet about it. And then you have the people who say, you know what, I don't really care, you know, if Jesus, maybe he's real, maybe something else is true, I don't know, but I'm just gonna kind of avoid that topic all together because I really don't care. So we're going to be looking at these responses throughout our message today. Are you okay? I know I don't want to point you out, but I want to make sure you're okay. Okay. Um, the first is we're going to see Jesus as the enemy, okay, as the nemesis. Now, kids, you look at this, and you'll probably recognize – got to turn this thing on. Um, you'll probably recognize – uh, do you know If you don't know what a nemesis is, this will kind of help clarify and solidify in your mind what it is. An, an enemy, is a, ne- a nemesis is an enemy. It's, a, it's the person who, the competition. It's the competitor. So, uh, who is the arc enemy of Superman? Apparently, I, no. Who is it? No. Wait a second. No, 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 no. They're both good guys. They're on the same side. What? No. What? Okay, Lex Luthor, right? Yeah, Superman fights Lex Luthor, and I don't know, as they they keep having new episodes and seasons and stuff like that, I don't know if the enemy changes, but the original Superman, his enemy was Lex Luthor. Okay, you get one more shot at this, okay? Batman. Joker, right? There you go, David. he's got it to you. Okay, so the, a nemesis, it's an enemy. So you guys get the, the picture. Uh, and so people look at Jesus as the, as the enemy, as the nemesis. And who are these people? Okay, well, that's what we're going to be looking at here. Uh, reaction number one is Jesus as the nemesis. That was the religious leaders of the day. You can look and see Luke chapter 22 verse, or chapter 22 verse 66. Uh, You can find who specifically who these people are. It says, as soon as it was day, the elders of the people, both the chief priests and the scribes, came together and they led him into their council, saying, "If you are the Christ, tell us." So, if you're trying to think of where is this really fitting into context, because it kind of feels like just a verse out of nowhere. Last week we saw Jesus was arrested because Judas betrayed Jesus. He was arrested and he was hauled off, and these are the people who finally have Jesus under their control. They finally have Jesus right where they want them. And they've wanted to get rid of Jesus for three to three and a half years. Ever since the time Jesus started teaching in the synagogues, ever since the time Jesus started healing people, even on the Sabbath day, they have looked at him as the enemy. If they could just get rid of Jesus, they could have all the religious control that they wanted to have like they had before Jesus came along. These guys were known as the Sanhedrin. They, were, uh, they had complete jurisdiction or authority over, or, and control over religious matters, okay? So these guys, there were 70 of them. That's how many were supposed to be there. They have Jesus right where they want them. And what are they going to do? What are they going to do to Jesus? They're going to do a number of different things. Now, I'm not going to try to look at the, 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 all four Gospels and put it all together and say, this is the exact order of what Jesus went through, because we could do that. But I feel like that's just information, So suffice to say, it's just enough to say these are the things that he went through. And we're going to look at a few different passages in order to do that. So, uh, first, one of the things Jesus went through, Luke chapter 22, verse 63 to 65. It says, Now the men who held Jesus, they mocked him, and they beat him. And having blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is the one who struck you? And many other things they blasted me spoke against him. So they're beating him. They're blindfolding him. They're striking him. Not in righteous uh, punishment, but in unrighteous anger. Now, of all the people who had the authority to deal with this, it was the Sanhedrin because it was against the law, uh, the Jewish law. You can look back in uh, Leviticus chapter 24, verse 16, and it said, anybody who blasphemy against God should be put to death. But that's, these guys weren't trying. They, they were wrong. That was their problem. They they were doing what they thought they were supposed to do in, in a sense, but they were wrong because Jesus was the Christ. He's not who they thought he was going to be. So they beat him, they blindfolded him, they struck him. Mark chapter 14, verses 55 to 56. This is what else they did to him. It says, Now the chief priests and all the council sought testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none, for many bore false witness against them, but their testimonies did not agree. These guys had people come and and try to make claims that Jesus did or said something, but even at that point, it did not agree. They were seeking testimony against Jesus, not to spare him, but in order to have grounds to kill him. But like I said, that testimony did not even agree. The next thing you find is in Luke chapter 22, verses 67 to 71. It says, they're they're questioning him. If you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will by no means believe. And if I ask you, you will by no means answer me or let me go. Hereafter, the Son of Man will sit on the right hand of the power of God. Then they all said, Are you then the Son of God? He said to them, you rightly say that I am, and they said, "What further testimony do we need? For we have heard it with, from our, with our, we have heard it ourselves from our own mouth." They're questioning Jesus about who he is, not because they're interested in knowing the truth, as if they're going to be convinced. They're looking for, for, for reasons to put him to death. That's all that they're after. They're the nemesis. They're the enemy. They want to avoid Jesus. They want to get rid of him and have the control that they had before. And they had, like I said, they had the authority to, to eliminate people who claim to be God or claim to be the son of God, which is what Jesus was doing. But they were wrong. And when he's saying, um, if I, I tell you, if I tell you that I'm the Son of God, you're not going to believe me. So Jesus says, you know what? Hey look guys, I'm the Son of God. Do you think they're going to say, okay, we get it. We believe you? Of course not. And he says, if I ask you, Am I the Son of God, are you guys going to answer me? Well, of course, they're going to answer. They're going to say no. They're just not going to answer correctly and say, yes, you are the Son of God. And when Jesus says, hereafter the Son of Man will sit on the right hand of the power of God, they know that he is claiming to be the Son of God. Because you guys remember, hopefully, Psalms 110, we looked at uh, a little while, you know, a couple weeks ago, it's the most quoted psalm in the Old Testament. Uh, and it's, it's, it's quoted multiple times in the New Testament, I guess is what I should say. And it says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So God is talking to Jesus saying, hey, you sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And so they recognize that Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to be at God's right hand. And so I am the son of God. And so they want to get rid of him. And so they they say, okay, we have enough grounds to get rid of Jesus. And so they say, we're going to take him to Pilate. And we're going to talk to him about getting rid of Jesus. Uh, And so they start to bring these charges against Jesus. Luke chapter 23, verses 1 and 2. It says, Then the whole multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nations and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ the King. Okay, so we have... Somebody who's slow. Okay, so we have that the enemies of Jesus that are bringing false charges against Jesus. The first thing is wrong. It says he's trying to pervert the nations, meaning he's trying to lead these people in rebellion. He's been walking around Galilee and around Jerusalem. He's trying to stir up all these people to get onto his side so that he can eventually overthrow the Roman government. They're trying to convince Pilate, look, if you don't take care of this now, you are going to have a problem later, which as we know was not the case. Pilate, uh, apparently, we'll see in a minute here, is aware that they are not telling the truth. False charge number two is Jesus forbidding them to pay t- uh, taxes to Caesar. Now, if you happen to have been here a few weeks ago, we talked about how uh, the disciples of the Pharisees, they sent, or the Pharisees sent their disciples to Jesus to try to trick him, saying, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And Jesus said, here, let me see a coin. He says, whose inscription is on this coin? And they, and they said, well, it's Caesar's. And he said, okay. Well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God's what is God's. So he's he's clearly saying, you know what? If you owe taxes, you better submit to that authority that's placed over you. You don't have to like it, but as long as it doesn't go against what God has told you to do, you need to make sure that you follow it. But he say, he's saying also that, you know what? You were created in God's image. That means you have his seal on your life. You're, you're made in his image. You need to live your life for the Lord because you are you're made to... to Uh, To worship him to love him you have his stamp on your life you should serve his authority just like that coin should be given to the person that it belongs to we have God's image on us and we should follow the authority that he has now obviously Pilate doesn't know all that but this is the false charge number two these these guys know that Jesus never said to don't pay taxes they know exactly what Jesus said that they were supposed to uh, pay taxes to Caesar But they were his nemesis. They were his enemy. They say, we don't like Jesus. Whatever it takes to get rid of Jesus, that's exactly what we're going to try to do. False false charge number three was that Jesus was claiming to be king. They wanted uh, Pilate to see Jesus as an enemy, as a threat to Caesar, and let's just get rid of this guy right now so that we don't have problems later. But that was because they were his enemy. They were his nemesis. Jesus had lots of enemies, lots of nemesis, lots of competition, while he was here on earth. Jesus is up in heaven right now, and guess what? He still has em- nemesis, he still has enemies here on earth. And here's, here's a picture of uh, a few ideas. Enemies of Jesus today. You will find them all around the world. There's people right now who don't even realize they're an enemy of Jesus. But when missionaries go out there and they start telling people, like even think about the foxes almost. Uh, this little girl who's saying, telling people about Jesus, well why is it always Jesus? This little boy could be antagonistic and upset at, about Jesus because he's an enemy, because he doesn't want to hear that kind of thing. All around the world, there's people who, want, who are enemies of Jesus. Some are very open and public about it. Some are very quiet. You have people who are sitting in churches today who are enemies of Jesus. I, they, they go because somebody drugged them to church. They go because they're trying to make... God happy if he's there. They go because they, were, they grew up going to church. But they're, they're enemies. They, they just put up with the fact that they hear this stuff week after week. I wish that preacher would shut up so we could just hurry up and get out of here. I don't like this. It makes me mad. It makes my blood boil. Every time he calls me a sinner, every time he talks about the fact that I need him as a savior, there's enemies in churches today all around the world. And there's there's a book there's books out here known. This one is called the Fox's Book of Martyrs. And there's people who uh, are are very vocal, are very they demonstrate how much they hate Jesus by taking it out on people who love Jesus. Uh, if you ever get a, your hands on a book like Fox's Book of Martyr or uh, Jesus Freaks, you can read story after story after story of people who died for their faith, people who are. Uh, persecuted for the faith. People lose houses. People lose jobs. They lose limbs. They have lose their life all because uh, they believe in Jesus. And those people say, I hate Jesus so much, I'm going to take it out on every single person who says that they love Jesus. There's lots of enemies today. It's hard on people, but it's hard on Jesus himself when the en- his enemies take it out on, on his people. So Jesus has lots of nemesis. Jesus has lots of enemies. That's that's the, the uh, response number one. Uh, response number two is, they, is people who see Jesus as neutral. And that's where we get in with Pilate because the, the people brought Jesus to Pilate and said, hey, we want you to eliminate this guy. We hate this guy. All they can do is throw these accusations. And the Pilate's got to do something with this, right? He's got to come up with some kind of response to this. And so we, we see what his response is. In verses 3 through 7, Luke chapter 23, verses 3 through 7. Then Pilate asked him, so he asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him and said, It is as you say. So Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no fault with this man. He, he has no issues with this guy. But they were more fierce, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, beginning with Galilee to this place. And when Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked, if the man was a Galilean, and as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time." Now it sounds, first of all, like uh, Pilate is is choosing what kind of side of the fence he wants to be on, because he says, I think this guy is guilty, I mean, I'm sorry, I think this guy is innocent. But you find out that, you know what, if if Pilate was really determined and willing to take a stand, he would have said, okay guys, you go away. I'm just going to let Jesus go because he's innocent. He had the authority to do that, but he didn't. And so he he's getting on this fence because he's afraid of, of trying to make people unhappy. And so he's stalling. He's trying to he's trying to like pass the time until finally he finds out that Jesus is from Galilee. So he says, "Oh, you know what, Herod? I know he's in Jerusalem at this time. I'm going to pass him off to." to deal with Jesus. I'm gonna, I'm gonna avoid having to make a decision. I'm going to sit on the fence and let somebody else deal with this. I don't want to, to have to deal with this. I don't want to fight these people. I just want to let them have their opinion and let Herod be the one who takes the brunt of this. So he doesn't let him go. He, he ultimately uh, says, I mean, he, I'm gonna pass him off to Pilate. He just passes him off. But then you find out the Pilate says, you know what? He had his little fun with Jesus. He sent Jesus back. To, to Pilate, and then Pilate tries to pacify these people in verses uh, 13 through 23, which I'm not going to read right now. But he says, I'm, let's just have Jesus punished. Let's just have him whipped, and then let's let him go. And he tries, and he tries, and he tries to get that outcome. And Jesus doesn't deserve that, but he's trying to punish him and say, let's, let's just come up with some neutral ground, and then we'll let him go. So that's all he wants to do. He just wants to sit on the fence and say, I don't want to deal with this. And There's lots of people who are just like Pilate. There's lots of people who are sitting on the fence today. Uh, there's people who you go to school with, kids, who sit on the fence. They, they hear the name of Jesus, and they're not, they are not. They might kind of believe that it's true, but they're not really ready to step out of the boat, they're not really jump on one side of the fence and say, okay, I'm going to walk with Jesus. I'm going to follow him wholeheartedly. I'm just going to try to you know, on Sunday I'll be that Sunday Christian, and then the rest of the time I'm just going to try to blend in because I don't want to make a statement. I just I just want to kind of keep everybody happy, right? I'll make my parents happy on Sunday, and I'll make my friends happy the rest of the week because they want to sit on the fence. People in churches sit on the fence. They come to church, and they, they, they sit there and they listen, and then they, they go out to, the, to the, back to their regular real lives and they don't really make a change. They don't really make a stand, because they, they don't want to have to, to change their life. They don't really want to have to defend what they believe. They don't want to have to get into the conf- that confrontation dealing with religion or politics that people don't want to discuss. Athletes. This is everybody, right? That's what I'm trying to do, just nail everybody. There's people everywhere who are sitting on the fence. Even rich people sitting on the fence. There's poor people that are sitting on the fence. They just they, People have heard the message over and over and over about the fact that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And they say, I'm not ready to make that commitment yet. I don't want to. I don't know uh, what is, what is, what's, how it's going to change my life. I don't want to do that. A lot of people respond like a first grader. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Leslie was teaching the first grade for seven days, and she had this little kid that when she'd pass out her homework, uh, <laughs> this little kid would go, Here's the desk. I'm sticking it in the desk. I'm putting it down. I'm getting out my coloring sheet. I'm just going to start coloring. Well, did that homework go away? No. Leslie had to go around and say, uh, whatever her name was, why don't we pull that out and let's work on it. So she'd work on it for a second and then she'd put it away. Just trying to ignore it. Like it's going to go away. And a lot of people do that with Jesus. They just act like, okay, i just make it through the Sunday message and then I can go and just ignore it. I can just forget about it. It really... It really is not that important. They act like a first grader. And why do people do that? Why do people choose to sit on a fence? Well, a few different reasons that I have is some people are afraid, they're genuinely afraid of choosing the wrong choice. And I can say, I understand that. Because there's lots of beliefs out there. There's lots of religions out there. And, and if they're all saying you've got to do whatever they say to do in order to get saved, it can be overwhelming. And so they say, you know what, I, I can't decide. It's too hard to try to figure out. I don't know what's right. Well, that's, that's not going to work in heaven. God's not going to say, well, okay, you we had a lot of choices. You couldn't figure it out. He's going to say, look, you were in church. There, there was all these resources. You could have done it. So I want to encourage you. If you say, I really don't know what to think. I don't know what to believe. Start studying. Start studying what the Bible says. Start asking questions. Uh, ask me anything you want about it. And I will do my best to try to answer it. Uh, but don't just say, I'm going to sit on the fence and deal with it later. You just don't know when later it's going to be too late. You have to decide now to decide, uh, to get off the fence and say, I am going to choose to follow Jesus. So some people are genuinely afraid of making the wrong choice. Some people are afraid of what other people are going to think. You know, if I, if I leave this church and go to this church, or all of a sudden I had all these buddies and none of us love the Lord, and all of a sudden I'm the guy who starts loving the Lord, uh, or my family, you know what? You can be outcasted. And I've known lots of people or lots of stories where I used to have this huge group of unsaved friends. I got saved, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm kind of by myself now, right? i got to make some new friends because nobody wants anything to do with me anymore. And it can be tough to lose all your friends. Uh, the Bible even talks about, uh, Jesus says in John 15, 18 through 20, which I won't read the, the whole thing, but it says, if the world hates you, Keep in mind that he hated me first. If you're going to follow Jesus, you are going to be an enemy of the world. You are going to be a nemesis of the world. And it's going to be tough. It, but it's, uh, it's worth it because your eternity rests on that. You have a few years on this life to have to deal with each other, to have to deal with the enemy, to have to deal with people's opinions. But you have eternity to reap the consequences for the choice that you made. Some other people might be afraid that the cost is going to be too high. You know what? Because when I trust Jesus as my Savior, all of a sudden I might have a conscience that I didn't have. And I have to stop doing those things in life that I did not want, that I used to enjoy doing. The language, the activities, the people. You might have to cut certain things off from your life. And people say, you know what? That's painful. I want to to have a foot in both worlds. And the only way you can get that is to sit on the fence. He says you have to decide. Uh, You know, the the Bible says in Luke chapter 9, verses 25 to 26, what good is it if a man gains the whole world, you have everything this world has to offer, uh, but in the end you lose your soul, you forfeit your soul. You get absolutely nothing when you go to hell. You don't get to have your possessions, you don't get to have your friends, you get nothing if you don't choose to follow Jesus. It's going to cost you, but it's going to be worth it. So we see, Jesus is a nemesis. Jesus is an enemy. We see Jesus as neutral, like I don't want to make a decision. I just want to sit on the fence and kind of like take my chances that I can put it off for another week. I'll wait till I'm on my deathbed in the hospital, and then I'll decide something. And hopefully you get that chance. And then you have the people who say, you know what, I, they see Jesus as nothing. I really don't care about Jesus. He's really, if he's true, if he's not true, I, I more just see Jesus as a joke, right? That's that's kind of where I'm going with that that idea uh, Luke chapter twenty three verses six through ten it says this is I mean now when, when Pilate heard of Gal- when Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked, Is the man w- if he was a Galilean, and as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad for he had desired for a long time to see him. Because he had heard many things about him, and he had hoped to see some miracles done by him. Then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and the scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Then Herod with his men of war treated him with contempt, and they mocked him, and they arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to to Pilate. That very day Pilate and Herod became friends with each other, for previously they had been at enmity with each other." So, Herod, he's excited to meet Jesus. He's heard Jesus has had amazing teachings. He's heard Jesus has done all these miracles, all these life changes. He says, I want to witness this. I just want to observe and see if this is really true, what this is really about. And then Jesus does not say a word to him. He doesn't try to, He doesn't say, here, I'm going to prove to you that I'm God. I'm going to do a miracle for you. He doesn't say, I'm going to uh, impress you with my words. He just says absolutely nothing. And so, Herod, he's like, okay, this is... This this Jesus is a joke, right? Whatever thing I ever heard must not be true. And so he says, okay, let's have a little fun with this. You know, he says he's a king. Let's put a big purple robe on him and let's start mocking him. Let's start, like, taunting him. If he's really the king, if he's really God, let him prove it. And Jesus isn't all about proving it uh, to people like that. So he starts to harass him. He starts to speak uh, bad against him. You know, this is the first time Jesus is going to have a robe. On his back because he's going to go back to Pilate. He's going to get a robe put back on his shoulders after he's gotten beaten, and whipped, and it's going to act kind of like a a bandage on all these open wounds. And he's going to get ripped off his body. He's going to have that crown of head pushed against his brow so blood runs down. He's going to have to go through that again. Here's just one time he's got to go through it. But there's lots of people who who hated Jesus, and there's lots of people today. Who taunt Jesus and who hate Jesus as well sorry there are people who speak against him, uh people who mock him you you can read song, you listen to songs where they speak, they sing these lyrics against God. you can read it in books, you can hear people on on the radio and on t v who are are just daring God to do something, and he doesn't uh we even once we were camping uh down. Near Davenport, and there was there was a rough, rough, rough group of people, and they had tattoos everywhere, and they everybody was afraid of these people, because I was uh, afraid of them. I mean, they you look at their car, you look at their camping, you look at everything about them, but they needed a jump start, so we're like, okay, we'll go and we'll jump start them the car, and maybe have a chance to try to share the Lord with them, and um, Leslie noticed that some guy had this tattoo on his neck that Jesus is a. I don't want your minds to go anywhere, but I'm just not going to say what it is. And he was that bold and that brazen, almost like daring God, go ahead, do something, look at what I said about you. And it's like, a tattoo is pretty permanent, right? And it's on your neck where people are going to see it forever, unless you're going to run around turtlenecks, you know? And so this guy was bold and brazen about, I don't care about who Jesus is. And that's the kind of attitude people have about him today. And if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you're going to get that same kind of treatment. If you're the person who says, I'm going to get into the battlefield, I'm going to get off that fence, I'm going to stand on Jesus' side, people are going to treat you the same way. They're going to harass you. They're going to taunt you. They're going to laugh at you because you say you believe in Jesus. Why is, why is this little girl only talking about Jesus all the time? I'm sure he speaks bad against her. You know, uh, Hopefully someday he does get saved and says, okay, I understand it. I get it but you just don't know. People are otherwise, they're going to assault you. They're going to ignore you. They're going to persecute you in some way if you are standing on Jesus' side. And why do people get mad about Jesus? You know, my wife always is, is saying things like, well, why do you get mad? No one gets mad about Santa Claus, right? People believe in Santa Claus or they don't believe in Santa Claus or they the Easter Bunny, and no one gets mad about trying to defend that as being true or not. But when it comes to jesus people get that light switch they get angry because they know that it's true but they don't like what jesus says in his word they do they do not like the bad news and the bad news i'm sure everybody knows the bad news is that we are sinners and nobody wants to hear that you're a sinner that you're a bad person because we all want to think i'm a good person i mean compare me to the guy in death row the murderer to the to the rapist compare me to those people and I look like a pretty good guy. And I, I would think, you know what, I do look like a good guy compared to that. But when, I, when God looks at me, he doesn't see a good-looking guy. He sees that I am a sinner, and he sees everybody as a sinner. People don't like to hear that they're a sinner and that they need a Savior. People don't like to hear John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. People don't like to hear that it's so narrow that I can't do something to earn my salvation. But that's part of the bad news. And so a lot of people, they, they don't like it. A lot of people just want to stay neutral. They want to just enjoy whatever this life has to offer and say, you know what, I'll put it off till a different time or I'm just going to block it out of my mind. Jesus is just a fairy tale. I'm just going to ignore it because I don't want anything to do with this Jesus. They do not like the bad news. But you know what? There is good news, right? And the good news Is that even though I'm a dirty, rotten, lousy sinner, guilty of everything possibly can think of, uh, because of what James 2.10 says, if I broke one, I broke them all. God looks and says, you know what, Josh? You're guilty of everything. You need me as your Savior. Even though he looks at me that way, he says, I love you, Josh. I love you, so I'm going to die on that cross. I'm going to take your punishment. I'm going to have that crown of thorns pushed on my head, and I'm going to die so that you, Josh, can have eternal life. Because you are a a sinner. And that's the good news. And if I put my faith in Jesus alone for salvation, I will have eternal life. That makes some people mad. It makes me really happy. I don't have to try to be good enough. I don't have to try to give enough money. I don't have to try to go to church enough. I don't have to try to pray enough. I don't have to try to do anything except put my faith in Jesus and then let my life change accordingly. You know, Nobody really gets off this earth without deciding what you're going to do with Jesus. A lot of people, sure, they get mad and say, I don't want it. Or there's people who are sitting on the fence who think, I'm going to put it off till later. Or the person who says, um, Jesus is just a joke. At some point, you are deciding. If you don't decide to follow Jesus, you're choosing to reject Jesus. You know, when Pilate, he thought he was getting out of it all, but he had Jesus sent back to him. He still had to ultimately decide Am I going to uh, kill Jesus or am I going to take a stand and let Jesus go? And if you say, you know, so I'm, I just want to ask you, where are you at? Are you the person who's, who's mad at me right now because I keep saying you're a sinner in need of a Savior? Are you the person who's thinking, like, la, 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 I'm just going to wait till this is done and get out of here? Or are you the person who says, you know what, you're, you're weird and this is just a joke? Or obviously there's the fourth one that we didn't look at the person who says, I believe in Jesus. I put my faith in Jesus. I'm the guy who says, yes, I'm a sinner just like you, Josh, but I put my faith in him alone for salvation. If you do not know Jesus as your Savior, get off the fence. Quit thinking he's just a joke. Quit thinking he's nothing. You need to put your faith in him so that you can have eternal life. Um, if, again, if you're the person who says, I believe in Jesus, well, you just got to remember there's a world out there people who are the nemesis of Jesus. There's a world out there of people sitting on the fence. There's a world out there of people who says, I don't care. I Just leave me alone. I'm just as happy. It's just a fairy tale. So be, to, to make sure that you get out there and share your faith with people. So wherever you're at, leave today different. If, if you know Jesus, let it change your life. If you don't know Jesus, please don't leave today without making it known to Jesus that you want him as your Savior. I'm going to pray and just say, you know what? This is a sample prayer about if you need Jesus as your Savior, to pray and ask him to save you. And then I'm I'm just going to go back like I do always and stand in the back. But I want you to say thumbs up, you know, if you do, or say somehow that, you know what, I did put my faith in him. And and um, And if you know Jesus, then just please be bold in sharing him with other people. Let's pray. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. God, I know you look at me as guilty and god i can look at my own life and see that i'm guilty i can look and see that i'm not perfect that i have sinned uh because i've I've broken the laws and the, the commands that are in your word and god i'm sorry for doing that god i know that i cannot go to heaven because of that because of my sin but i want to and so i'm trusting you god to forgive me for my sins and to give me eternal life so that i can have eternal life and live with you forever thank you god that you made it that easy Uh, uh, that I just trust you to give me to have eternal life. And God, I pray that you'd help me to live for you from now on. And God, for those in here who say, I know you as my Savior, God, please give, even me, give us each uh, a kindled fire, a kindled desire to get out there and to live it and to share with those around us who don't know you, God. We don't know when those opportunities are going to come. Please help us be ready to share that message with people as they need it.